Hello, hello. Welcome back. It's Tony here from Leading Women in Tech. You're at Lit Up, a leadership career bestie. How are we doing? It is officially November. <laughs> what? I just, every time we have month rolls around at the moment, I'm just snowballed by that. And I hope that you aren't feeling quite as um, overwhelmed. I'm not sure that's the right word as I am. But we are definitely in the final straights of the year. And that is exciting to me because I have so much planned for January. It's actually just earlier today, writing out some plans for some challenges I'm running in my Lit Up Leadership Academy in January. We have some very exciting things happening in there next year. Um, I have more support coming in there. We're reformatting the way we do a few things to make it even better, which means that I can offer even more challenges to support people through their career journeys. And that's what I've been mapping out today. So damn exciting. I'm really trying really hard not to tell you all about it because it's not set in stone yet. (laughs) Um, So much coming. So I have a really juicy episode for you today. Uh, We are talking about positive psychology. You might have heard about positive psychology, you might not. I'm going to give you a little bit of background about the history of positive psychology. It's a relatively recent field. And then I'm going to dive into how you can use that to be a better leader at work. So again, as always with these episodes, this is one to take a lot of notes from. Um, I really hope that you are going to be able to take some actionable advice and change the way you lead as a result of what you hear today. So without further ado, let's dive on in. You're listening to the Leading Woman in Tech podcast, where we talk about real leadership and what this means for the world of tech, the techniques, tips, and strategies you can use to become a standout leader. I'm your host, Tony Collis, tech leadership coach, strategist, and coffee lover. And in each episode, I share my best insights designed to make your success not just simple, but inevitable. Whether you're on the way to the C-suite, an emerging leader, or a budding entrepreneur, this is the podcast you need to become a lit-up leader and turn your tech passion into a career you love. You may have heard of positive psychology. You might not have done. That's fine. Uh, I hadn't heard about it until fairly recently, even though both my parents are psychologists. They're both retired, but they're both psychologists. And actually, the guy who came up with positive psychology, Martin Seligman, is someone my parents know. So I really should have known about this sooner. (laughs) But for the longest time in my career, I did not want to know anything about psychology because my parents were psychologists. I was one of those children. I really was. I think one of the reasons I trained as a physicist and then moved into supercomputing was because it was so far away from psychology, it felt better. (laughs) And now I realize, because I love people leadership, that actually I need to know about psychology. I'm like, actually, it's kind of a cool field. (laughs) I'm glad I went the route I did because otherwise I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing today. And I love doing this. I love talking to you all. I love being in your earbuds. But I think I would have really enjoyed studying psychology. I just don't know what I would have done with it at the end. (laughs) But positive psychology has recently become a bit of a buzzword in the field of psychology and beyond. It has its fervent believers and it has very vehement deniers. If there's one thing that can be said about it, it is that it is divisive. But even those who aren't great believers will talk to you about the positive aspects of some aspects of positive psychology, if that makes sense. The mindset, how we operate at work, the the way we think about ourselves, all of that. And that's what I'm going to dig into today because this really can help you change the way you act as a leader 
to the positive benefit of those around you. And if you listened to episode 100 of the podcast where I celebrated 100 episodes by listing out my favorite books, you'll know that Martin Seligman's book Flourish made that list. Martin Seligman is the pioneer of the field of positive psychology, the person behind the movement, as it's called, by some of the um, deniers of the movement. (laughs) And it doesn't just provide a theory, but it's also a framework for why people are happy or not happy. But it also looks at the positive impact on morale, productivity and achievement, which is where as leaders, we really need to be paying attention. As a leader, you likely care about your team's performance, right? What if by having a happier team, a more positive team, a team full of people wanting to build lives that were purposeful and where they were living life as their best selves, those same people also performed better? Who of us wouldn't want that? But of course, this is a world away from traditional management that dominated the workplace in 70s, 80s and 90s, where we were all focused on ensuring people did the work, controlling the output. And that the people were more machines than individuals. When we start talking about people's happiness, inclusion, and purpose, and career progression, we're recognizing we're not working with machines, but we're working with people. People have aspirations. People have ambitions. People are better when they sparkle. You know I love to talk about sparkle around here. Positive psychology is about helping you as a leader, at least the way I'm talking about it today anyway, (laughs) about helping you as a leader bring that sparkle to the conversations with your team. It's about helping your team sparkle day in, day out so that they feel good about what they're doing. And today, I want to take you on a journey for how you as a leader can use these techniques to be a better leader. Whether you are an IC right now, an individual contributor with the power to lead yourself and lead your peers because of your influence, because positive psychology can help you with that, or if you are a CEO of a company or anything in between. Let's start with what positive psychology is and its role in the workplace. Well, positive psychology at work is about embracing people's strengths, people wanting to live purposeful lives and to be their best selves. As I said, it's all about the sparkle. (laughs) I actually fundamentally believe that if more of us sparkled, the world would be a better place and we'd have far fewer tragic situations, accidents, wars, A lot of things are caused because people aren't sparkling and sometimes because people aren't allowed to be sparkling. So I think this is a really great one just for the good of the human race and planet Earth. (laughs) It's building on what is good and already working in somebody. Instead of focusing on what needs to be improved and focusing on weaknesses, which is traditionally where we focus when we give feedback. Don't get me wrong. I do this. I train people on how to give critical, constructive feedback those crucial conversations that actually can help us elevate. But what if we also made the time to say, hey, here's what you're doing well. What can we do even better? Just shifting the narrative a little bit. When leaders approach management staff from this lens and believe in their team, it can be a real game changer in terms of team performance, team IQ, team delivery. People are happy when they do meaningful work. So if we start from, this is where I'm my best self, this is how I do great things, and then build more of that, IQ, team IQ goes through the roof because team IQ goes up or individual IQ goes up when people are happier. (laughs) If you're in my academy, you know I talk about finding your North Star, 
finding your zone of genius and working towards your North Star well, ensuring you spend more and more of your time in your zone of genius, your flow zone, as I also like to call it. Because when we do that, we spend more time sparkling. And actually, it isn't just that we enjoy our jobs more. It isn't just that because we're enjoying it, we're in that flow zone that we do more work. It is genuinely that our IQ goes up when we do sparkly work. I'm not kidding. (laughs) This is really, really powerful stuff. Positive psychology is about taking that beyond just me having a conversation with you through the academy or through you listening to this podcast and saying, what if we did that with everybody around us? What is, as a leader, you did that to help people be happy doing more meaningful work? What if you constructed your team so that everybody was doing more meaningful work for them as individuals, but it was created in such a way it also delivered on the needs of the business? Positive psychology helps us create such an environment. It's an environment that's productive, meaningful, enjoyable, It's where the leaders value their team and what their team brings to the table. And institutional positive psychology, yes, that is a phrase, institutional positive psychology, is the focus of positive psychology in the workplace, where it leverages using and building awareness of strengths, building optimism, encouraging life satisfaction, ensuring happiness, well-being and gratitude, compassion, including self-compassion, self-esteem and self-confidence and hope. And it is a lot there. So we're going to break some of this down. Do not worry. Okay. Because another aspect of positive psychology is the concept of learned optimism. This has only been acknowledged as a real effect for the last couple of decades. And there's still a lot of resistance to this idea. So take it or leave it. Use it if it's powerful to you. Feel free to disagree because the psychologists disagree on this one. I think it's a quite a powerful thing to understand. After all, many of us view ourselves as either optimists or pessimists, as if this is set in stone. But psychologists have found that optimism can be learned, trained, nurtured, and that when that is true, when we do such a thing, we have better overall mental health. We're just like to have burnout. We have those things I just talked about, optimism, self-esteem, self-confidence, compassion, especially self-compassion. The more optimistic we are, the more self-compassion we have the more compassion we have for those around us because we assume the best rather than the worst. It's very hard to be compassionate to somebody in front of you when you're assuming the worst about the situation that's unfolding. Whether you're assuming it the worst for them or the worst for this the world that's impacting you, it is just so much harder to be compassionate if we're viewing it more negatively. It also helps us have that happiness, that well-being and gratitude I mentioned and therefore life satisfaction, and of course, hope. So learned optimism really is, I'd suggest, the underpinning part of positive psychology. When we do this, we make better decisions, we are happier, and we thrive, and so much more. It is actually why I initially picked up that book by Martin Silverman when I found it called Flourish, because it was called Flourish. I wanted to write a book called Flourish for a while. (laughs) I have it scoped out. I've had it scoped out for about five years. So when I realized somebody else had written a bit called Flourish, different topic, admittedly, uh, I was kind of like, oh, damn it. But oh, my goodness me, what a way to describe what could be possible for us. Flourishing instead of languishing in the corner. Isn't that what we all want? Okay, let's get back to the leadership piece of it. People do better when they're happier, when they thrive. When people are happy, they set higher goals and work harder towards those goals. As a leader... 
you can practice and model gratefulness where people express gratitude. And then when you do that, people feel happier. And that's a great first step towards nurturing optimism in your team. So they're happier because you are more grateful. You are grateful towards yourself, not just towards them and not just towards the bigger picture, the company. You're grateful across the spectrum and you're modeling that and expressing that. And when you do that, those around you are going to feel happier and then they thrive. They're happier, they set higher goals, they work harder towards those goals. Win, win, win. (laughs) When we connect with people and we invest in our relationships, this also builds more happiness and optimism. Moods are contagious. If you are happy, go spread some of that. Now, I always used to resist this one. I am an extreme introvert. I know many of you might not believe that, but I am. (laughs) There is nothing better in my mind than sitting at home all weekend with a good book. Like, seriously, nothing better. And certainly during the pandemic, I've talked about this on the podcast before, I found that my comfort zone contracted because I had an excuse not to leave the house for months, not to speak to another human except my husband, my cats. They're not humans, but you know, they think they are. And the delivery people that deliver my shopping right? <laughs> for months. That's all that I did. And I was quite happy about this. But because I'm quite an extreme introvert, what happened was my comfort zone contracted. So prior to the pandemic, I'd done a lot of international travel. I was always meeting people. I'd go out with for coffee and dinner with friends. I was fairly social. I just love me time. During the pandemic, that just all stopped and I didn't mind. But because of that, and especially with the news around, you know, going out and the virus was still very prevalent, people weren't wearing masks. I was very nervous about going back out. My comfort zone contracted. My husband actually is exactly the same. The pair of us were just feeding each other as well. We're like, oh gosh, we can't go out. Like people are not being careful enough. I, I don't feel safe going out to a restaurant. We're finding all sorts of reasons to really narrow ourselves off. And I was aware that this was happening, but I was like, that, that's okay, right? Like, it's fine. Until I realized my mood was suffering. Partly my mood was suffering because my relationships were suffering. So only so much you can do on the phone and WhatsApp. And I'm not a big WhatsApper. <laughs> like, let's just go with that, shall we? And my mother knows I'm terrible at picking up the phone. I love her dearly, but I do not call her enough. I'm sorry, mom, if you're listening, you know I should. I love you. <laughs> I know she listens to some of this podcast. Um, and so one of the things I have realized is I need to go see people and invest in my relationships, not just my professional relationships. And I have the most amazing clients. If you're one of my clients, you know I adore you. And they give me so much joy, but we need more than just work. So what we can do is actually make ourselves happier. And when we're happier, we set higher goals, we work harder towards those goals, et cetera, et cetera, simply by investing on our relationships. So obviously, I want you to focus on the leadership aspect of this, but make sure that you're getting it as well. If you are happy, go spread some of that. Help your staff come together and connect by hosting team building events to build those relationships. This is one of the reasons why our executive presence is so incredibly important as well, though. I want you to take care of your happiness because your mood is contagious. That includes your bad mood. This is where executive presence comes in. If you walk into a meeting with a thundercloud under you because of the previous meeting, it is contagious. But the concept of learned optimism tells us the opposite set of emotions and mindset is also contagious. Walk into the room optimistic and compassionate and most people will respond to that positively and latch onto that mood. Our executive presence is key here. 
By working on it, we can let go of our negative experiences faster, transition back to the more optimistic and empowering mindset, and we can spread that mindset further because our executive presence also enables us to be better public speakers, more inspiring, more charismatic, and so much more. Side note, if you want to work on your executive presence, then do go check out my mini course in my shop at tonycollis.com forward slash EP. That's EP for executive presence. Another great tactic for learned optimism is to encourage socialization between your co-workers. Even remote teams can and should socialize. There are so many great ways out there to do that. And when we do that, we hopefully spread the optimism even further and faster. And remember, relationships make us more optimistic. And when we're more optimistic, we're more likely to be happy. And when we're happy, we make better decisions. We think faster. We set bigger goals. We're more productive. And we make people around us happier because mood is contagious, right? So there's so much positivity that comes out of building this ability for your teams to socialize, provided you're doing it in the right way. I was once worked for a company where they told me I had to go, I had to go on a team building event at the weekend where I already had plans and I had to pay for it. And I was just, <laughs> I was just like, no, no, and no, like that's my weekends are precious to me. Um, like that's when I do things with my family and you want me to then pay for that privilege? I think not. So make sure that if you're doing this, you recognize it's good for the business and therefore the business is paying for it. If you're the leader, yes, you might want to do something like take your team out for dinner and pay for it. And you might decide that you do that as the boss. I personally think that should be a business fee, but um, governments, certainly some governments anyway, view it differently. Entertaining your staff is not something that should be expensed in the UK. Going on an evening working meeting with your staff is absolutely fine. I don't understand the difference, but at least that's what I understand. <laughs> I'm definitely not an accountant. That's why I hire one. But have a think about how can you build rapport and have that socialization even with a remote team so that their mood lifts, their relationships strengthen, and therefore they have that learned optimism that generates those better results. Building on your ability to influence the room is also a great way to build optimism. So I want you to have a think about how can you build influence with those people around you? If you're influencing people such that they are more optimistic, they have set bigger goals and they're excited and they're sparkling, you have influenced optimism. You have influenced positivity in the room. You've influenced them to sparkle, which is what we want to do. So I really want you to bring that one in. Remember that when you have positive psychology, you can build that awareness in your team of what is making them sparkle. You can build life satisfaction. You can encourage them to set bigger goals. But also, I want to just touch briefly on using and building awareness of strengths. That's another piece of positive psychology in the workplace. If we have positive psychology and we're more optimistic, we're more likely to have that self-awareness that means we can actually be honest with ourselves about our ability to grow, the ability to do certain tasks, and the areas where we're weakest. What if, instead of saying, you need to work on this, somebody was actively able to do a critical self-assessment of their strengths and say, this is a strength, and I want this to be a strength as well, I'm going to build on it, rather than, I'm not good at this, I need to function better in this area. Instead of focusing on the negative, you focus on the positive and they were able to do it themselves because they're more optimistic and so they're better able to have self-awareness, 
which is a key skill that we all need. There's an executive presence skill is self-awareness, but we want that in everybody we work with. So there's a lot that we've just gone through there. And I want to wrap up with seven more key tips for you. So let's wrap up with some methods for rolling out positive psychology in your leadership day to day. First of all, lead from a growth mindset. Focus on strengths, not weaknesses. Properly leverage those strengths in your team. Have ongoing coaching, informal conversations about performance, and provide opportunities to learn and grow based on what they're already doing well, rather than what they're not doing well. Number two, ensure that the company's purpose aligns with the team's purpose. This is so incredibly important. It needs to be the purpose, the vision of the business, but it also needs to be the cultural values of the business. When I use the word purpose, I'm talking quite broadly here. Find out what drives your team, what gets them engaged. Then from that, you can figure out how you're going to continue to lead and manage in a motivating way to keep your team engaged. If that means that you need to realign the purpose of your team, the vision of your team with the company's purpose and vision, make sure you do that first. Everything needs to be fully aligned. When there's a disconnect, we feel very awkward. There's something not right. And all too often, if your team's vision and purpose or culture is misaligned with the company's, the team is going to feel very uncomfortable. They're going to feel anxious. Sort that out first. Sometimes that means that you've not got the right team. That's okay, okay? And sometimes you may well find that when you do that alignment, it's not the right company for you. That's also okay. Figure that out and then decide to make the move. But align everything if you can. And that's going to really help you motivate and drive your team. Number three, create meaning. When there's a shared purpose, people feel more satisfied with their jobs. When people see how their efforts have an impact on others, their work becomes more rewarding. So you want to ensure that everything you do has is aligned with the purpose of the team and the company as point two, and that there's meaning behind that and everybody understands that and they share that and that they are reminded of it regularly, how this little thing they're doing is fulfilling something bigger than them. Then their work becomes more rewarding. Make sure they really know how they are contributing to that bigger picture. It isn't sufficient to just set your team off and say, bye, come back in six months when you're done. Your team needs to know they're creating something bigger than themselves. Number four, build relationships with your team members. Now, as a leader, I hope this is kind of a given, but I'm just going to put the obvious in here. Sometimes we need to do that. Building relationships with your team helps motivate and improve how the team members feel about the work they do and about the company they work for. You need to have frequent casual conversations. And I know some of you are thinking, well, remote first, that's really hard. There's no longer like passing their desk. Just take a few minutes at the beginning of your one-on-one. It shouldn't ever be just around performance review time. Take a hands-on approach to help team members find meaning in their work. Ask them what brings them joy. Ask them what they love to do. Ask them what they want to do more of. You might not be able to fulfill that need straight away, but there's no harm in asking and then trying to build a roadmap to get them there. Which brings me nicely to number five, find strengths in people and put them in positions that maximize their strengths. This one should not be rocket science. It's kind of mad to me that we needed something like positive psychology to give us the foundation, the psychology behind why this works. But <laughs> It's really, really important. Find ways to use your team's strengths in innovative ways. Allow team members to use their strengths every single day. If your team members are put onto work they do not love, that isn't both something they're amazing at, which is quite often the zone of excellence, 
but also something that they are passionate and excited and thrilled to do. That zone of genius is the flow zone, as I like to call it, because it just oozes out of you. You can be excellent at something, but it doesn't ooze out at you. That's your zone of excellence. When you've got high competency and high passion, that's your zone of genius or your flow zone. You want your team members to work in that zone for a small amount every single day. The best thing is if everybody works in that all the time, that's almost impossible. But I do know people who've done it. You have to be really, really careful about how you create your team. Number six, share success stories at team meetings and give people the opportunity to share their successes and their achievements and share the achievements loud and proud. Something really amazing happens when people share the success stories. And this is one of the reasons why if you're my client, you know one of the things I'm always asking you. In fact, every Friday, what are you celebrating this week? What's gone well? When we share what's gone well, we build a mood of optimism. First of all, it does several things to us as the individual. We have to find something that's gone well, that we're excited about, that we think is good, even when the overall feeling from this week is not so good. There are very few weeks in my life where I think genuinely I'm struggling. And when I do struggle to find something good, I can still find something small. Sometimes it's celebrating something such as, I get to run this business. This business is my baby. I love what I do. I get to talk on this podcast. Oh my goodness me. I love doing this podcast, as you all know, because I do it every week, (laughs) except one week between Christmas and New Year. Every week this comes out and I just adore it. So sometimes when I'm really struggling for something to celebrate, I will celebrate something like just foundational to the work I do that I'm glad I still get to do. But more often than not, when I'm challenged to find something to celebrate, and it was my coach who started me down this road and she asked me every time I see her, what are we celebrating? And I'm like, oh, actually, I have five things I'm celebrating this week. I didn't think that much good stuff had happened. So it's a really good mental reset. It takes me from that negative mood into that optimistic mood. So when you get your team to do this and when you train them to do this and you do have to train them because most people resist doing this, they think it's a waste of time. But when you train your team to do this, you are flipping their mood right there from potentially pessimistic to optimistic. You're also training their brain to give validation to the things that are going well. And we're really good as humans of ignoring the good things and only focusing on the bad things. And it puts this negative lens on life. By asking this every single week, or more frequently, I'm totally down with that, by the way, (laughs) you are helping them to retrain their brains to be more positive, which raises their level of optimism. And then the other amazing thing that happens is when the team shares success stories, people learn from that. They think, oh, wow, one, that's worth celebrating. Oh, my God. Yeah, that's a really amazing thing. Wait a minute. I did that, too. Why am I not celebrating? So it shifts their perspective on something they might be skewed on. And it says, I work with amazing people. I work with people who are delivering great things. And finally, it gives everybody a sense of camaraderie. So I would really encourage you to get success stories out in team meetings and give everybody the opportunity to share their successes and achievements. It's such a powerful technique. Something that I really wish I had learned in my early childhood. I would have been sharing my successes from the rooftops if I'd known how good this was for my mental health. (laughs) And then number seven, rewards. Reward your team members and allow them to reward themselves. Something as simple as going for a short walk after delivering something, after doing a big presentation, make sure rewards align with what your team wants and remind members to take their breaks and reward themselves in some way. So I'm just going to recap those. Lead with a growth mindset. 
Ensure that your company's purpose and your team's purpose align. Create meaning. Build relationships with your team members. Find people's strengths and build on those. Share success stories and then make sure you're rewarding everybody. Wow, there's a lot to get through there. So as always, we have one final mindset tip to share with you because we love the mindset piece. Although positive psychology, kind of the whole episode's mindset. (laughs) If you want to use positive psychology as a leader, you also need to practice this as an individual. This is a really important mindset bit. You need to build your own relationships. You need to practice gratitude or even keep a gratitude journal for yourself. This keeps negative feeling in check and allows you to focus on the moment. Show gratitude towards others. Find work that focuses on your strengths and let go of the work that doesn't. And always, always practice and model a growth mindset and mindfulness. That's it for today's episode. I hope that one's been a juicy one for you. As always, if you found this useful and would like any more insights and advice, I would love to hear from you drop me a message on LinkedIn. You can find me at Tony Collis on LinkedIn. I would love to hear if this episode has shifted the way you are going to be leading through the rest of the year and into 2023. But until next time, remember, stay on your tech leadership game. Follow your dreams because the world really does need that uniqueness that you bring as a leading woman in tech. If you enjoyed listening to this podcast, check out how to get more of my help and some free resources. It's where I take what I talk about in this podcast and really help you apply it. Hop on over to tonycollis.com and check out Work With Tony and free resources in the menu bar. Until next time, this was Tony Collis on the Leading Women in Tech podcast.